Namaste. That's Nepali for greetings or good morning or I don't know, they use it all the time. Or better yet, as the Christians say, Jamesee. That means like peace or hail King Jesus or something like that. Um, it's an honor to be with you here tonight. And um, I just want you to take a few minutes right now at your table. Um, we're going to do it a little bit differently. I'm going to have you guys talk a little bit right now. And then I'm just going to go. Because when I have to go and then stop, it, I just lose the flow. So, um, but what, I, what I'd like you to do at your table is just discuss... How do you express love, worship, and adoration to God? Go ahead. Take a couple minutes and discuss on your tables. How do you express love, worship, and adoration to God? Okay, I'd love to hear some of your answers. Who'd like to share? Go ahead. Encouragement. Thank you. Who else? Yeah. That's a good verse. I like that verse too. But what, but on what, what, on what, what were we asking? Like, how do you express love or worship to God? I think that verse is about that. Somewhat, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Obedience, Obedience definitely. Straight from Jesus' mouth, right? Yes. Good. Daily relationship. That's awesome. Who else? A lifestyle, love that. Who else? Anybody else want to share? Kindness. Kindness, showing acts of kindness. Good. Anybody else? Go ahead. Right on. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else? Francis? Surrender. 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 That's a good word. Anybody else want to share? Okay, yeah, go ahead, Bill. When we walk through the valley, okay, that's good. Anybody else? All right, those are all great answers. And kind of what, what I want to do tonight, we're going to look at John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. But before we go there, um, I'm going to kind of tell you where we're going to go tonight because what I want to do tonight is we're going to do a character study of a woman who was an extravagant worshiper. As a matter of fact, I titled this message, The Fragrance of Surrendered Worship. And I hope tonight that when you leave this place, you will have a hunger, a thirst, and a desire to worship God every day of your life in a myriad of ways. And so tonight we're going to look at the life of Mary, of Bethany, the sister of Lazarus. And what we're going to discover is how we too can become an extravagant worshiper. We're going to look at the life, look at her life and her example. And what we really want to do is we want to take from her example and we want to apply that to our lives. And, and this is something that I love to do when I come to the scripture. It's like, what can I learn from that person? What did they do that, that um, 
that made them who they are? What did they do in obedience and surrender to God? Or what did they do and I don't want to do what they did because that was really messed up, right? So you look at the people that are written about in scripture and you learn lessons from God. You allow God to teach you and you follow their example. And so this woman has become for me someone that I want to aspire to be like because she showed extravagant worship to God. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to actually start in Luke um, chapter 10 and verse 38. Before we jump into John 12, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna find out where Jesus rendezvous with this woman and what is the beginning point for her to become an extravagant worshiper. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Luke chapter 10. Verse 38, we're going to read through 42, and, um, and this is the NIV version. So, and Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had been made, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. And so this is... Mary's first encounter with Jesus and where do you find her? First of all, to become an extravagant worshiper, you need to open your home to the Lord. That's what Martha did. She opened her home. She invited the Lord into her home. And then Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. She's hanging on every word that he says. She's sitting and she's listening to him. And this was the beginning point of her Becoming an extravagant worshiper. And I would suggest that we take the same posture with the Lord. That we would learn to sit at his feet. That we would learn to listen to what he's trying to tell us. And, and although, I honestly, I think Martha gets a bad rap a lot of times. I'm not going to in any way talk bad about Martha. She had a heart of service and hospitality. She was using the gifts that God had given her. But at that particular moment... Jesus said, no, you know, Mary's doing exactly what I created her to do. She's exactly where I want her to be. And I'm not going to steal that moment from her. And then Jesus talks about one thing. He said, one thing is needed. One thing is necessary. And the thing that you need to understand is that we were created to worship God. We were created to worship him. And so... Jesus is not going to steal that moment from her. In fact, I want to talk about another man right now who was an extravagant worshiper. God called him a man after his own heart. And so as we look in Psalm and verse chapter 27 and verse 4, you will see the same focus. The same focus in David's life. Listen to one thing I ask from the Lord. 
This only do I seek, that I dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David was a warrior. David was a worshiper. David was a mighty king. And this is what made David a great man. He knew how to worship. He had a focus, an intense focus, that he would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life, that he would gaze upon the beauty of God, and that he would seek him in his temple. What does that mean, to dwell in the house of the Lord? That's to recognize that actually God is with you 24-7 every day. God is with you, right? And you're actually the temple of the Holy Spirit, the scripture says. So he's in you and he is with you. So you are dwelling with him, like it or not. And to gaze upon his beauty, that is to think about, meditate on, and look at all of the beautiful things that he did in the scripture from creation to the redemption Every beautiful thing that he's done in your life and in your family's life, that is to gaze on God's beauty. That is to go, oh, God, you are so good. You're so good to me. You've been so good to my family. God, you are so faithful. Even when I wasn't faithful, you continued to be faithful. God, you are so loving and forgiving. God, you gaze on the beauty of God. And this causes something in you to respond Something in you to worship him with everything you are because you are grateful for what God has done in your life, right? And to seek him in his temple. You are his temple. Seek, listen to what he's trying to tell you. Listen to him as he's trying to guide you as you make decisions and as you face challenges and you are in dilemmas. Seek the Lord every day of your life because you were made to worship. And so these people are great examples of what it is to be a true worshiper. Now we're going to move into um, kind of the introduction into what we're going to talk about today. But what I want to do is I want to go to, um, I want to go to John chapter 11 and verse 2. Because we've been studying about how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But... Before that ever happens, before that ever takes place, John, the author of the book of John, says this about Mary. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his, wiped his feet with her hair. I'm going to tell you what, this is her claim to fame right now. What made Martha, what made, excuse me, what made Mary great in the eyes of the Lord was that she was a woman who poured perfume on the Lord and who wiped his feet with her hair. And you are going to see in chapter 12, you are going to see this extravagant act of worship that she displays on the Lord. So let's move now into chapter 12 and verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 3. And so John chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. 
Martha served while Lazarus was among, among those reclining with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And I just want to stop right there. And, and I just want you to see the scene that is, that is taking place. It's six days before Passover. And what you need to understand is that Passover was the day that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain. He was the, that was the day. So we're talking six days before he's going to be killed. Okay? And so he's sitting in this house in Bethany. And it's very interesting. I looked up the word Bethany. And that name, the name of, of that place, is actually, it actually means the house of depression and misery. How'd you like to live in that house? Actually, you know, some of us do. But I'm going to tell you tonight that a key to not living in the house of misery and depression any longer is to allow Jesus to come into your house and to display extravagant worship like Mary did so that the fragrance of, his, of the worship and the perfume that she poured out on him fills the entire house, changes that atmosphere in that house. And so here you see um, that they're at the dinner table. And, uh, and it says that, uh, that Lazarus was there. It's kind of cool when we were in Nepal. We, we, went, we went out to, to eat at this place, and we were actually reclining. We were sitting on the ground like on pillows, like they do back in the day, right? It was pretty cool. It was not super comfortable just because we're not used to it, but it was kind of cool. We were thinking about that whole situation, you know, when the, like on the Last Supper, you know, when the disciples were reclining. At the, you're like, how do they recline, you know? Because they were sitting on the floor, basically. So that was kind of fun. Anyway, um, here we see... Those reclining at the table with him is Lazarus. And then we see that Mary moved in love, in worship, and adoration for her Lord. She goes over and she reaches for this perfume. In some translations it says that she, there was an alabaster flask of perfume. And it was a pint of pure nard. And, and if, you, if you read a little bit later on, it turns out that 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 um, perfume that she poured out on his feet had the value of one year's salary. So imagine, I mean, like in our day and age, we're talking, you know, $30,000, $50,000, a whole year's salary, you know, um, this perfume was worth. And she takes that expensive perfume and she pours it on his feet. An act of love, adoration, recognizing his worth and his beauty. And then she bows down to his feet and she takes her hair, she takes her glory, and she wipes, her, she wipes his feet with her hair. In utter humility, in love, in adoration, she wipes his feet with her hair. And, and you can see how it ends. It says, and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. The entire house was filled with love and with adoration. It was filled 
with this extravagant act of worship that this woman displayed to her Lord. And so I would suggest to you today that we take the example that, this, that, that Mary of Bethany displayed and that we worship God. And obviously that doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily use perfume and all that kind of stuff, but that we worship God every chance we get. As we wake up in the morning and we thank the Lord for a new day, as we're driving to work and we turn on, we turn on the worship music and we worship God on our way to work, Whatever we're doing, I remember I read this book when I was in Mexico. It was Brother Lawrence, and it's called Practicing the Presence of God. And he literally, everything that he did became an act of worship. When he had to wash the dishes and when he pulled weeds, his life just became a life of worship to God. And I am suggesting, I know it sounds a little extreme, but I am suggesting that we live in such a way. As a matter of fact, I can remember this one day. I was so overwhelmed. I was in Mexico, and I walked in my house, and I had bought some mangoes like the day before. And I walked in, and mango, like, filled my senses. And all of a sudden, I was just like, God, thank you for mangoes. Like, they're so good. They're so juicy. They're so delicious. They have such a, a, a wonderful flavor, and it was just like, it just was a natural, spontaneous response because God didn't have to make mangoes. In fact, he could have only made five different kinds of fruits, but he made a variety. And um, so anyway, we can worship God in a, in a myriad of ways. It doesn't have to be just singing or just praying, but it can be in, in so many different ways. And so I would encourage you to take this woman's example and extravagantly worship God. Pour out the most costly thing that you have in your life. The thing that you value the most. Pour that out on the Lord. And in some, there was um, a study that I did back in the day. And, and, and this particular um, writer suggested that really this kind of worship would be like breaking your human will. And pouring yourself out on the feet of Jesus, saying, not my will, but yours be done. Surrendering your life, surrendering your heart, surrendering your future, surrendering your children, surrendering your bank account, giving God everything that you are and everything that you have. And I'm going to tell you that when you understand God's heart, when you understand the sacrifice and who he is, that produces in you a desire to worship him with everything that you are. And when you recognize that everything that you are and everything that you have comes from him, then of course you're going to break your, your alabaster flask and you're going to pour it out on him. You're going to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the life you've given me. Thank you for the family you've given me. Thank you for the job you've given me. Thank you for everything, the breath in my lungs. Thank you for my health. Thank you for everything that I am and everything that I have because I recognize that it comes from you. And so I take what you've given me and I offer it back to you to be used for your kingdom purposes and for your glory. We're going to continue in chapter um, 12 and verse 4. Just to finish out um, this section of the scripture, it says, 
But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a, a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. He was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And so we can see here that Judas Iscariot, and his claim to fame, obviously, is he's the one who betrayed, right? We have the one who worshipped, and we have the one who betrayed. And he's like, why did she waste this perfume? Like, we could have sold it. We could have given money to the poor. And Jesus says, no, this, this was supposed to be for me, for my burial. And, and basically, you can imagine, um, as Jesus was hanging there on the cross, pouring out his life for, for all of us, I, I can imagine that the scent and the fragrance of that perfume was still on his feet. I can imagine that that extravagant act of worship six days before he went to the cross filled his heart with the courage and the strength that he needed. Because in Hebrews chapter 12 it says, for the joy set before him he endured the cross. It was that joy of knowing that he was going to pay the price for all mankind. And, and I believe that, that that fragrance and that scent was still on his body. And that extravagant act of worship helped him through the most difficult, most painful day of his life. And, and so G, um, Jesus, um, Jesus honored her and said, no, in this particular case, that perfume was meant for me and for my burial. And you're not always you're, you're always going to have the poor with you. You can help. You can still help the poor, but you're not always going to have me physically present with you because he knew in just a few days where he was going, and so um, so he honors her. He honors her act of worship. And then in verse nine, it says, "Meanwhile, a large crowd found out that Jesus was there and came. Not only." Because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So here we see that all of a sudden, people discover, hey, Jesus is in town. He's at... Um, He's at Martha and Mary and Lazarus' house. And they find out and they show up there. And, and, they're, and people are like, you know, the, the gawkers show up. They're like, oh, we want to see Lazarus, the one Jesus raised from the dead, you know. And, and then you have, you have this group of chief priests. And, and the thing that you need to understand is that these particular people were zealous for their religion. But it was their religion that blinded them and that there was this religious spirit that was trying to kill Jesus. And not only kill Jesus, but it says, and they wanted to kill Lazarus too. Out of jealousy and out of a spirit of religion, this thing was, was after, this spirit was after Jesus to, to kill him and to take him out. 
and Lazarus too, because, you know, he was his accomplice, right? And so what we can see is that um, the religious Jews were upset. They were jealous because many people were believing in Jesus. Many people were leaving their religious traditions and they were following Jesus and believing in him. And so as you can see, um, the controversy still continues. And, and you can see this all throughout the book um, of John as we've been studying it. You can see this religious spirit rise up that wants to kill Jesus, the Son of God. And so tonight, I hope that as we've looked at and studied the life of, of Mary, that you have discovered what it means to truly worship God. And I know I had the opportunity several months ago to share about um, the Samaritan woman. And she too, when Jesus spoke to her, she, he said to her, the Father is looking for worshipers. Those who will worship in spirit and in truth. God the Father is looking for worshipers. He's looking for us to truly worship in spirit and in truth. And so tonight, there is an invitation for you also to take the example of this woman, to take the example of King David, and to become a person who lives a life of worship. As Billy said, a lifestyle of worship. Live a lifestyle of worship. Spend your days worshiping the king. Because that is a way to invest in eternal things, things that last forever. And really what I've discovered in my own life as I've journeyed, the more that I've gotten to know the heart of God, the more that I've read his word and discovered who he is, the more that it has produced in me a, a desire to truly worship God, to recognize that he is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy of my time. He is worthy. He really is. And I think that these people, I think David and Mary, when they discovered that truth, it provoked in them this extravagant worship. And um, I want to finish up with, with, one final, um, with one final scripture. And it's not, um, it's not on the PowerPoint because I didn't give it to him. But I'm just going to read it to you because I find this to be an interesting passage. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 14. And um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and then and then th and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him and it's very interesting because in this passage you can see again this idea of fragrance it's like the fragrance of the knowledge of God because Mary knew Jesus, because she sat at his feet and she listened to him, because she opened her home and allowed him to come in, because she, um, because she knew him, she broke an alabaster flask and she poured it out on his feet and she took her hair and she wiped his, her, his feet with her hair. She had the fragrance of the knowledge of God. 
And that same fragrance is what we carry when we know God and when we seek God and when we worship God and when we gaze upon his beauty. Then our lives become like a fragrant offering to God. And the, the weird part is right after this, it says, it basically says this, to some people we're actually a stench because we smell like death to them because they don't want anything to do to, with God. But to other people, we become like a sweet-smelling aroma because they smell life. They, they, they smell in our, in our life. They smell life. They smell salvation. They smell hope. And they want what we have. And so I want to encourage you tonight um, as you go home that you would think about and meditate on these things and that you would really begin to live a life of extravagant, surrendered worship to God. And that your life truly would be a sweet-smelling savor to God. It would be a fragrance to the people around you, either a stench in their nostrils because they don't want to have anything to do with God, or that your life would be just so sweet and, and they would be drawn and they would be like, I want what you have. I want what you have. And so um, I'd like to just take a few minutes right now. Um, I would like to pray for Delinda. Um, Delinda is going through a really difficult time right now. She has cancer and she's in a lot of pain. Probably going to go into some surgery. And so um, I'd like to spend a few minutes and maybe we could just spend some time at our tables before we, um, before we leave tonight. Spend just a little bit of time, um, maybe just worshiping together, you know, just speaking out um, some worship, and then pray for Delinda. And, um, and I'll start it off, and then I'll kind of just fade out, and then you guys just at your table, just begin to worship. So, Father, I just thank you so much for your great love with which you loved us. I thank you for the way that you extravagantly poured out the life of your son so that we might have life, so that we might know love, so that we might taste forgiveness. We thank you, Father, that you are good and everything you do is right. We worship you with everything we are and everything we have. And we thank you, Father, for the example of Mary of Bethany. May we live as extravagant worshipers. May we seek your face daily. May we listen to your words and obey them. And may we, may we live lives of love. That our lives would be a fragrance um, to other people. That many people would come to know you through us. Because they would see your love in us. And that they would smell the fragrance of worship and the fragrance of life in our lives. And I lift Linda to you right now, Lord. And I just pray that you would bring comfort. That you would release your healing power that you would help her through this difficult season of her life. And I pray that she, would near, that she would feel your nearness. I thank you that you heal the brokenhearted. And I pray that you would heal her, that you would strengthen and comfort her, that you would give her courage that she needs, and that you would help her children as they see their mom suffering. Father, we just pray right now that you would fill that home with the fragrance of your, of your beauty and your glory. And that, um, and that that family would worship you in this difficult season. And go ahead, just spend some time worshiping at your tables.